0: They did this every year before the pandemic, but never quite to this degree. We live in a rural part of a very woodsy, green, southern state, and there are very few regulations regarding what someone can or cannot do on their own property. So every year, without fail, I can look forward to weeks of unending firework displays. Most years I just hunkered down with my headphones and my dogs in their thunder shirts and just try to sleep through the noise. I've purchased white noise machines, soundproofing for the house, earplugs, you name it. But this year, probably because they couldn't get their hands on the fireworks last year, they've really gone overboard. None of my solutions have worked. I went over Monday when they started setting them off and politely asked if they'd maybe tone it down a little bit. My neighbor, a dyed-in-the-wool southern redneck, Met me on his porch. He was a lovely shade of strawberry pink, which I'm pretty sure was a combination of high blood pressure and a perennial sunburn, and a mustache that would rival most of the brooms I've ever seen. His ripped sleeve wife beater was proudly emblazoned with an American flag. His baseball cap said John Deere across the front. He eyed me with suspicion when I pulled up. Not that I've ever done anything to the man, but I bet he has plenty of enemies. Honestly, Even though I live almost half a mile away through the woods, I've heard him fighting with his relatives, and I've got to say, with a family like that, I'd be suspicious of everyone too. Hey Dan, I hopped out of the driver's seat and plastered a friendly smile on my face. How are you today? I hoped if I was as kind and pleasant as I could possibly be, he'd respond, you know, reasonably. At least more reasonably. What do you want? he demanded before I got halfway up the lawn. I sighed and slowed to a stop, my hopes already beginning to dwindle. Those fireworks you set off last night sure were pretty, I angled, holding out some vestige of hope. "Uh Uh-huh, he responded, a mix between proud of and derisive. His mustache hiked on one side. It was blonde, the same color as said broom bristles. I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind wrapping them up a little earlier for the next couple of nights. I have to get up early for work and my dogs, my property, my fireworks. I'll do what I want. He puffed his chest and started to get up off his own lawn chair. I'm not saying don't, I'm just asking if you could cut them off around 1am, maybe? I wasn't shocked when he grabbed for his shotgun. Get the hell off my property, he responded. I sighed, nodded, and went. That was how the vast majority of our talks went, he wasn't the friendliest neighbor. I went home and spent the next few nights listening to the loudest, most extravagant bombardment of fireworks I would ever been subjected to. Each night it was worse, getting louder and louder as we crept closer to the holiday itself. Every morning I woke up increasingly exhausted, my dogs more and more terrified. Yesterday I resolved to just go stay in a hotel until the fourth was over. I packed my bags and left them by the door so that I could just pick up the dogs and go when I got home from work. But work ran a little late that night, and by the time I got back the sun was already starting to set, and right on cue, boom. This time it was so loud my whole car rattled and my ears rang. I swear to god it sounded like it was right above my head. I flinched and nearly drove my car right into a tree. Damn it, Dan, was he setting them off over my house deliberately? I got her to look. I'm not sure if I'm glad I did, or I wish I hadn't. Boom, boom, boom. A series of them went off, all at once. Peonies and palm, chrysanthemums, brocade, spinners, crackles, willows, one I couldn't name, even though I'd grown pretty familiar with them over the five years I'd been Dan's neighbor. So, so many of them that they ceased to have color in became just one eye-blisteringly bright light. The sound was so loud, it deafened me briefly. I covered my ears and ducked against the side of the car, crying out loud. When everything got dark, I instantly assumed that I'd been temporarily blinded. But no. I could just barely make out the shape of my car door beneath my hand. Or my hand, for that matter. I looked up. And saw it. The hole. It was... I don't have words to describe how big it was. Like the Grand Canyon. I'd once seen an old strip mine in the desert, and that's as close as I can come to describing it. Like someone had torn a whole chunk out of the amber-orange sky all around it and replaced it with indigo and violet. It wasn't the night sky. I know that because there weren't any stars. Instead there were pinpricks of inky darkness, small blots of blacks on the tapestry of blue-purple. I stared, my jaw hanging around my collarbone. Something looked out. I can't even say it looked, really. That was just the impression I got. I didn't see anything resembling eyes. It was just a void, honestly, a uniquely shaped void. As I watched Dan fire off one more firework directly into it, I don't know if it was on a timer, or if it just had a particularly long fuse, or if Dan was so phenomenally stupid that he did it deliberately. But that last blue-white willow went right up, directly into this thing, and was swallowed whole immediately, completely. The light vanished in the blink of an eye. It reached down, a shadow in the shape of a hand. I didn't see what it grabbed, but I can guess. I was too busy crawling under my car and weeping, terrified and trying to wrap my head around what I was seeing. A few scarlet rays broke out over the horizon just then. The last hurrah of a setting sun, I guess. I only know because I caught a glimpse of it cowering beneath my sedan. Suddenly, I got bright again. It was so quick, as if someone had flipped a switch. I stayed put for another ten or fifteen minutes just the same, until the fumes from the car started to get to me, and then I crawled cautiously out and confronted the sky. The same sky I'd always known. And yet, for me forever changed i called the police and then drove home shaking i didn't know what to tell them so i told them the truth they called some paramedics out to evaluate me in hindsight probably because they thought i was in the middle of a mental breakdown which i was but they attributed it to a lack of sleep gave me something to calm me down and left without even taking a statement i got my dogs and left as soon as they were gone We spent the night at the hotel, and when we finally got back, my neighbor's brother was waiting by my mailbox. He wanted to know if I'd seen Dan lately. I looked him in the eye and said I'd heard some kind of commotion in that direction. Sounded like animals, I said. Maybe stirred up by all the fireworks? I don't think he believed me. About the fireworks, that is. I'm putting the house on the market and going to visit some friends in California tomorrow. Apparently fireworks are illegal out there. Which is great because I suspect Dan's family isn't going to let up on those fireworks. I only looked once. The first time I heard tapping on my window, it was very faint and very slow. Slowly turning around in my bed, my eyes focused on the window, and I regret it now. If I just hadn't looked so much, could be different. The sight made the skin around my eyes stretch backwards and away further than they'd ever gone, my mouth widening to release the loudest scream, but no noise coming out. My pupils growing thinner until they were mere dots, my neck pushing backwards to get away. We stared for minutes. I discounted it as a bad dream. The next day, just before midnight, I clearly heard steps outside my window, like a horse galloping. I shoved my head under my blanket and tried my hardest to still myself. The tapping began, it was louder and faster than last time. Minutes pass, and the tapping stops. When I wake up the next day, I walk around in my backyard. Beneath my window, there are large footprints, large enough to fit my palms spread out with a bit of space still left. They're in front of my window, but nowhere else, as if they just came into existence. I called the cops. They arrive later that night in Stangard, The tapping never came that night. I fell asleep in peace and a clutch of hope tells me things are going to be fine. Eventually, the cops leave. I wake up in the middle of the night. It's pitch black outside. I heard loud, disgruntled tapping on my window. The tapping is so much more forceful than before. I can hear the window shaking. I know something is staring at the little lump in the bed with sullen eyes. The large pit in my stomach told me so. I don't know why, but I'm still, it, it, it feels comfortable, I guess. A delusion telling me it can't see me if I'm just still enough. But I can't help but breathe, and the breathing makes me rock slightly up and slightly down. The tapping stops eventually, and when I wake up, I feel like a wreck. I call the cops again, but this time they're not nearly as recipiented. Things can't go on like this, I think to myself and head out. There's a forest beside my house. It's filled with close trees, lush leaves, green and orange bushes, and tall, thick grass. I know the tapping comes from there. I know it for a fact. If I can find where the tapping comes from... I put on my thick green jacket, my heavy black boots, and snatch my camera. The tracks must have been hidden, but not perfectly. I see trampled plants, broken sticks, destroyed mushrooms... This would look common in any other scenario, but to me, right now, it's clues. I see a cave opening. It's a black door of air rimmed by grey pointy stone. I hear a distinct noise as I approach it. It sounds like an old man with a high-pitched voice heaving loudly. I've never heard anything like it. My gut feels sick. The sound is just wrong. I take a step into the cave. My leg disappears into the cold abyss. As if the darkness bit it off. A spark of energy shoots through my body. Everything in me is begging me not to go in. I take a few steps and the darkness envelops me. I tread feeling my way forward and then my legs hit up against something and I tumble down the cave until I hit up against a wall. The heaving turned into heavings. I could hear it all around. I grabbed my camera and took a shot towards the noise. The flash lit up the corridor. I caught my gasp. On the floor, layers of people with horns lay asleep. Their feet are covered in goat hair. I got a picture. I'm getting out. I permanently put on the light to not step on anyone. I figured shining some light is better than stepping on them, and I slowly snuck my way out over the cave. As I was about to exit the cave, I saw a distracting light and accidentally stepped on a pebble. I heard the pebble fall down the cave and bump into something. The creature wakes up with a shriek, waking everyone else up. I sprint away. I'm sitting in my living room covered by my blanket and I'm shaking. I don't know what to do. They stop tapping. They're banging. They're banging on my door. They're banging on every window. Some of them are screeching. Their banging grows louder and louder and their screech is more horrible. I feel like they're going to shatter my windows any second now. I'm breathing too fast, hyperventilating. It goes out and in. I can't control myself. Just stop, please stop. I'll remove the pictures, I swear. I hear the sirens in the distance. The banging stops. I hear them running towards the forest. Thank God, I'm saved. My neighbor had called the cops. I fumble out to explain what happens. I can barely describe the thoughts in my head when the officer grabs my shoulder and tells me to calm down. I show him the pictures on my phone. He looks at them curiously before dismissing them as fake. They drive away. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what they want from me. I'm sitting on my chair, staring at my window. I don't care anymore. I'll look them in the eyes, recognize them. I can't live the rest of my life in fear. I cannot, and I will not the clock ticks each second draws us closer to midnight I feel myself wanting to get into bed and cover my head but no I won't do it this time I'm going to look even if it's the end of me I I will look I blink and they're all standing there five large tall hollowed out faces staring right at me we make eye contact but I hold my ground They're angry. They're showing their teeth. They bring their large, rotten hands up to the window. Nails that have grown for ages are on them. They bang and they bang, and for three minutes they're banging on my window. A sprick appears on the window like lightning, then another one, and then the window shatters. They reach for me with their long hands and grab me, pulling me out. I scream and jerk and kick, but it doesn't matter. I'm one of them now. I don't know what they did exactly, but I've changed. I'm no longer human. I no longer have five fingers. I feel my consciousness, my humanity, fading away. I'm typing this up on my phone whilst I still can. I have a warning for all of you. If you hear tapping on your window, don't look. The brief moment in which your eyes adjust to the darkness after switching off the lights. That's the moment you should be afraid of. The few drawn-out seconds that your vision is shrouded in pitch black as you wait for your eyes to make sense of your surroundings. How many of those seconds before the outlines of your furniture come into view? Those are the seconds when you should be hiding. This is what my mother told me a long time ago long before she passed away. These words have been stuck in my mind since the day I heard them, and they repeat themselves to me each night when I shut the lights off for bed. I keep a nightlight by my bedside, just like my mother always did. She told me this the day after my 11th birthday. I remember because we had spent my birthday on a day trip out of town to celebrate. My day was filled with frolicking in the hot sand on the beach, And taking countless ocean waves straight to the face. Needless to say, I was exhausted. It was around 9 p.m. when we got in the door, and I dropped my things in the hallway and dragged my heavy body to my bedroom. This moment should have been a blur, just like any other tired night. But after changing into my pajamas and switching off the light, something happened. I switched off the light, and the room around me became a dark void in every direction. My mother had kept a nightlight in my room for as long as I can remember, but tonight, I guess the bulb had finally died. At that moment, I didn't give it a second thought. I had walked to my bed thousands of times up to this point in my life, and I knew I could navigate there easily. I made my way across my bedroom, keeping my arms extended as to not bump into anything. Seconds passed of wandering across my room in the dark, and I had not yet reached my bed. I thought this was strange, but I quickly wrote it off as my tired brain getting me turned around and lost in my own room, despite it being a straight shot to my bed. I squinted and swiveled my head around, looking for any recognizable outlines of furniture, but my eyes had not yet adjusted to the light. In all directions, it was pitch black. Again, I blamed this on a day spent in the blinding sun and began to wiggle my arms around while I walked hoping to make contact with anything in my room. There was nothing. A crippling pain surged in my chest as I became overwhelmed with panic. I tried to turn 180 degrees as accurately as I could, hoping to dash back to the light switch and flick it on. I took off full speed, but I never reached a wall. I never reached anything. My knees buckled under me and I collapsed to the floor. But there was no floor. No matter where I looked or how hard I flailed, My surroundings had been replaced with an empty abyss. I opened my mouth and I screamed. No sound came from my mouth, but I could feel my vocal cords burning and vibrating. I continued to scream, emptying my lungs several times over. My face was wet with tears and my throat felt torn open, but I never heard a sound. I don't know how long I stayed in that gap of emptiness, just outside of reality. My mother said she had only heard my ear splitting wails for a second before she rushed into the room and switched the light on. I remember the look on my mother's face in that moment. It was the first time I'd ever seen a look of absolute terror on the face of an adult. My mother, the pinnacle of an unwavering spirit, looked completely broken. That night, my mom didn't let me out of her sight. She made me a cup of warm tea with honey to soothe my throat. She listened patiently while I told her what happened, but she never seemed surprised. She replaced the nightlight in my room with a new one from a box she kept in the closet. I slept in her room that night, with the lights on. The next morning she waited patiently for me to wake up, and she had a warm cup of tea ready by the bedside. She stood by until I was ready to hear the answers to my questions about the night before. She explained to me about an exit door to reality that can only be passed through in specific circumstances. My mother told me that if a person stays in that blackness for just a few too many seconds, they will be lost forever. It was then that the night lights in every room of the house made sense. That was nine years ago, and I've never made the same mistake again so why am I sharing this information now? My mother passed away last week. I was the one who found her body. She was lying in the middle of her bedroom floor, the sun shining onto her through the window and her eyes swollen and bulging from her face. Her hands were curled in unnatural positions like a frightened animal. The following hours were a blurry mess, consumed by talks with police and EMTs, They told me then that the cause of death was a heart attack, confirmed days later by the autopsy. In an attempt to comfort me, they told me that it happened suddenly and was over all at once. They said she wouldn't have suffered at all, but I knew better. I still know better. My mother had suffered immensely when she passed, and she may still be suffering now. I don't want to think about what it must be like for her right now. I just know that when I found her body that morning, I couldn't help but notice the nightlight by her bed was burnt out.